The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. Uh, this prophecy in Isaiah is being fulfilled in Mark chapter number 7. It's being fulfilled. We're seeing it fulfilled. Uh, There's only one other word, uh, one other time in the scriptures where when you look at Mark chapter number 7, and and the Bible uses in verse number 32 uh, in the English with the word impediment, the, the only other time that word is translated or used is in Isaiah. It's talking about those that cannot speak, those that cannot hear, that they will be made whole. This is a direct fulfillment of that prophecy. It's not a coincidence that God uses a word in the Old Testament and then repeats that word in the New Testament. How many know that that is not a coincidence? That God is being very direct to show us that Jesus came to fulfill the prophecies concerning the Messiah because he is the Messiah and there is no question about the fact that he is the Messiah. That is the truth that Mark is unpacking to us. He begins in Mark chapter 1 to lay out to us This is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is what he believes about who Jesus is. This is what he's come to believe in faith. And he is unpacking that truth as we go through the Gospel of Mark. He's showing us why that is factual. He's showing us why that we can put our faith and believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, I don't know whether you have ever had a time in your life where you have accepted the fact that Jesus Christ was God who came in the flesh to die for the sins of humanity so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be saved. Uh, So many times we think of our eternality in a sense of a destination instead of a person. We sometimes talk more about heaven than we talk about Jesus. But can I tell you, when Jesus talked about heaven, it was more about a place I'm preparing for you, that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, heaven is about being with Jesus. Being saved is about being in a relationship with Christ. If I asked you who wants to go to heaven, of course everyone would raise their hand. If I asked you who doesn't want to go to hell, of course everyone would raise their hand. But if I asked you who wants to have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, that's a different question, isn't it? But that's what Jesus came to bring us, into a relationship with the Father through the Son. And there's only one way to have a relationship with God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. And so uh, eternality, in the sense of the way we view it, should be less about heaven and more about God, more about Jesus and about who He is and about why He he came to save us and what He was doing to redeem us. And, And when we think about... Uh, what Jesus is teaching us here. How many see when you looked at uh, last week, when we looked at the Syrophoenician woman and her approach, there's a difference in the way Jesus dealt with the Syrophoenician woman and the way that he dealt with this man. A, a big contrast, a stark contrast between, between the difference. Remember last week we talked about the parable that Jesus gave and he referenced the dogs and she spoke within that parable. Jesus marveled at her faith. You think about the way that she came. She, she had an approach to God that was culturally inappropriate. 
She shouldn't have been approaching a man. She was a Gentile. She shouldn't have been approaching a Jew. She shouldn't have just entered into the house. But she was bold in her approach, wasn't she? Because she was a parent that was desperate for her child. And how many of you know there's another category for parents that are desperate for their child? You can't stop a mom who's desperate to find help for one of her children. And this is the case with Jesus dealing with her. But she was a bold woman. She was willing to cross the culture. She was willing to cross the conditions that were there so that she could get help for her child. But notice her faith was such that even she didn't bring the child with her to Jesus. She just believed that Jesus could bring healing to her situation if Jesus just spoke the words. And she really believed that about Jesus. Jesus was marveling at her faith. This is the first indication in the scriptures and in the book of Mark that we get that Jesus speaks a miracle to a person or rather a parable to a person and that person both understood the parable but responded in the same context. She spoke to Jesus, back to Jesus within the context of the parable that he gave. She said, I understand that I'm a Gentile. I understand that I'm a woman. I understand that culturally I'm, I'm undeserved. I understand that conditionally I'm unworthy. I understand all of those things, but I understand that you're the one that can feed me. And if that means I get the crumbs from the table, I'm happy to have the crumbs because your crumbs are enough. What, what you have to offer, and what she didn't fully completely understand is that Jesus became a dog so that we could have a seat at the table that Jesus took the position of the sinner, the reject, the one that would, was not worthy to sit at the table so that we could sit as children around the table. And what an awesome picture that Jesus gives to a woman, to a Gentile, uh, and, and then where she understands that and her great faith uh, brings us a wonderful picture of how salvation was going to come to the Gentiles. What a wonderful picture. But in contrast to that, we see this deaf man who has an impediment in his speech and, and where Jesus was somewhat... Distant, where Jesus was somewhat contemplative, where Jesus was somewhat direct and bold in his approach to this woman. And in kind of in response to her boldness, he was bold. Jesus is almost like super sweet in this situation with the deaf man, isn't he? I mean, there's a whole another level of intimacy. And you think about the tactile way in which Jesus brought the healing to this man. Uh, There's just a difference. And that kind of brings us to number one, if you're following along, there's an unreasonable difference here. There's there's an unreasonable difference. In other words, it defines to logic, it defines to understanding. Don't we live in a world that says that everybody should be treated, treated exactly the same? Don't we? I know we're afraid to talk about things like this, but we live in a world that says everybody should be treated exactly the same. No matter, no matter, no matter what. No matter, no matter what's going on, we should just, everybody should be treated exactly the same. We use the, the word equality, but we really don't mean equality. Uh, we mean entitlement. Uh, what we mean is that everybody should be, is entitled to a certain type of treatment. Everybody's entitled to a certain, no matter what they do, no matter how they approach, no matter how they come. But you notice that there was a very unreasonable, unlogical difference between the way Jesus treated the woman and the way Jesus treated this man. It was very different. It was a different difference in, an unreasonable difference in the, the way that he, he approached her and the way that he approached this man. There's a bold woman and there's a begging man. Notice this, this man that comes, he doesn't even come on his own. He comes because people bring him to Jesus and they beg Jesus to touch him. They beg Jesus to heal them. He's not even coming because he has personally great faith in Jesus' ability. As a matter of fact, what we're seeing is something like the man that was born of four, the man that had the palsy and the people carried his bed. 
It wasn't that that man had such great faith. I think eventually that took place as Jesus spoke to him, but that the people bearing the man, bringing, bringing the man to Jesus, had faith that Jesus could bring healing to his life. Isn't that interesting that sometimes the way people come to Christ is in stark contrast one to the other. It's, it's, it's different, isn't it? I asked this in Sunday school, but if I asked you to raise your hand, how many were saved during a church service? You, 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 really, you heard the gospel and you responded and you were saved because you heard the gospel in that context. It probably would, it, I know that it wouldn't be 100%. It may, it may, it may be 50%. I think in our Sunday school this morning it was 50%. Um, some were saved through a gospel, some were saved through a TV program, some were saved through listening through something on the internet. But people were saved through different means, different approaches. The Bible talks about, and some, and some have compassion making different, and, so, and some saved with fear pulling them out of the fire. There's a different approach. Hey, some respond to the goodness of God that leads them to repentance. How many of you, maybe this is you, you responded because you heard of how wonderful God's forgiveness and love was for you. And that moved you with such conviction that you responded in love and, and, and belief and repentance and obedience to the gospel. But some, I mean, really, you were shook to the core about your sinfulness. You were literally shaking in your boots about the fact that you were condemned and on your way to a place called hell, a Christless eternity. And the fear of that brought you to this fear of God, which caused you to repent and believe the gospel. Different approach, a different, a different presentation of, uh, but you got to the same place, you got to the same person, because how many know we're all different? We learn differently. Some of you, you're taking notes this morning because that's what you do. Some of you, you just rather sit and listen. Some of you wouldn't care if there was, but we're layering, we're layering. Uh, we're trying to uh, share the truth because all people are learning in different ways. Some people have a hard time learning in this kind of context. It's okay. We have different ways in which we learn, but we have different approaches. How many know that Jesus loves you enough to approach you knowing who you are uniquely? And when he saved you, He came to you and understood who you were and how you needed to be reached, but that didn't hinder him at all, did it? It didn't, it didn't, he changed his approach, but he got the gospel to you. How many thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and his ability to bring the gospel to us? Sometimes there's something we can learn from that church that it's not all done in one way. There are different ways that we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and different approaches that we have. How many know that the greatest tool you have in your gospel witness is your ears, not your mouth? Jesus had the unique ability when he spoke to people to know their heart, didn't he? He knew what they needed before they spoke. So they didn't need to speak, and he didn't really need to listen to what they had to say. He knew what they needed. But you and I don't have that ability. I tell you, we understand that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The way that I discern where someone's heart is, and Christian, this will go a long way to helping your witness. How I understand how to speak to someone the gospel of Jesus Christ is by primarily, primarily listening to their heart knowing where they are, knowing from what position that their heart is and where they need healing and where they need help. And, and, and sometimes, here's, let's be honest, when it comes to our gospel presentation, we would rather people be quiet while we talk the whole time. We, we would rather be more like a vacuum cleaner salesman pitching something uh, than listening to where someone is and, and gleaning uh, where the gospel can connect to their condition, connect to their experience. Hey, Jesus listened to people, but he didn't even need to. He understood their heart. Hey, an example to us, listen, there's some people that you may need to listen to this week. 
that you may just need to have a conversation, just love and just listen to and just be there with them and be there for them. And the reason is, is God's brought them across your path for the purpose of giving the gospel, delivering the gospel to them. But you've got to have open ears. You've got to understand there, there may be a different approach. And there was an unreasonable difference in, the, in, our, in our day where we have to do everything, treat everyone. Be, listen, how many understand that life does not treat any one person the same? It's unfair, the life that we're living. How many, how many have come to grips and understood that life is just not fair? If you are trying to engage in a life and you believe that everything that's going to come to your life is going to be fair, you are going to be so disappointed because life is not fair and people are not fair. And we cannot create this bubble through political dialogue of saying that everything in life is just going to be peaches and cream. You know, everything in life is just going to be people loving you and accepting you for who you are. That is not the case. As a matter of fact, who we are, when we really get down to the bottom of the barrel, who we are without Jesus is unacceptable completely to God. No matter how much we try to to prop ourselves up through our works and through our religious conditions, who we are is unacceptable to God. And who we need is Jesus Christ. We don't need us. We need him. We need him. We need to die and he needs to live through us. And we don't need more of us. We need more of Jesus, as we sang this morning. We need more of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, number one, there's an unreasonable difference. Think about Martha and Mary. <laughs> you remember John eleven thirty five? 35, Jesus wept, right? At the tomb of their brother Lazarus, Martha, she comes to Jesus. What does she say? Master, if you've been here, this could have been avoided. What does Jesus do? He rebukes her. What are you talking about, Martha? He rebukes her. Mary, Mary, what does she do? She comes and says the same thing. What does Jesus do? He weeps with her. Why? Approach is different. Needs are different. The way he dealt with her is different. Martha had a different need than Mary did. The Syrophoenician woman had a different need. That Hey, listen, it's not that, it's not that Jesus doesn't care equally for all people, but how many, how many are thankful today that Jesus was, was, was loving enough to you to confront you in the way you needed to be confronted? Not just to confront you in the way he confronts everyone, but to uniquely meet you in your life where you were and to address the unique situations you were facing and to apply the life of Jesus Christ to that situation, understand, help you to understand that he's the way. That's, that's the unreasonable difference that we ought to understand sometimes with the gospel. Number two, there was an unbelievable distance. There was an unbelievable distance. You say, what, what are you talking about? Well, how many know, where did he leave? He left, I, I should have put a map up, but I, I'll, I'll just do it another way. Tyre and Sidon is where he dealt with a Syrophoenician woman. Now, if you know anything about geography when it comes to Israel, I'm not going to give you a geography lesson, but let me just help you. If you're looking at Israel, Israel's, the sea is to the left, right? Okay, so in the northwest corner of Israel, in the top, that's the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's above Galilee, northwest of Galilee, on the coast of, the Bible says here, the Tyre and Sidon. That's where he was dealing with the Syrophoenician woman. Now, the Bible says that on his way back to Galilee, he passes through the region of Decapolis. Now, Decapolis is on the eastern seaboard of the Sea of Galilee. So if you look at Israel, towards the center of Israel, Galilee, on the western side of, uh, uh, western side of uh, the sea, on the eastern side, so right sandwiched between the Sea of Galilee and the ocean there, is Galilee, the region of Galilee. 
That's where Jesus was going. Now, if you were leaving Tyre and Sidon and you were coming down the coast, you would just go northeast down to Galilee. But the Bible says that he passes through the region of Decapolis. Now, in Mark chapter 5, we went to Decapolis. Jesus was already there. He passed over the Sea of Galilee. He went east across the sea, and he met there a man of the Gadareans. That area was in the region of Decapolis. Decapolis is, is, is a 10-city area to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And remember when Jesus was there, what happened? Well, Jesus met, or that man met him on the seashore, fell down at his feet. There were actually two maniacs in, in the Gadarenes there, and they both received victory. We hear testimony from one. So we think about one maniac. There was really two. And uh, Jesus dealt with both of them. Uh, but this, this maniac that comes, he gets healed. The people are terrified. What do they do? Go away. We don't want you here. This was a Gentile region. They didn't want Jesus there. They asked Jesus to leave. When Jesus was asked to leave, Jesus gets on the boat. The, the, the man who was freed from the demon, he says, let me go with you. I want to follow you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Stay here and tell people what great things God has done for you. So he goes and he begins to, to, to post all. He begins to publish all in the areas of what Christ The Bible says many believed as a result of his testimony. Now, Jesus is coming down from Tyre and Sidon, and he passes through the region of Decapolis to go to Galilee. Now, that would be like, we're going to go to New York City today by way of Pittsburgh. I mean, you understand, it's not on the way. It's not on the way. It's way out of the way. There's no point going to New York City by way of Pittsburgh. That's not on the way. There was a purpose for which Jesus was entering back into this area, Jesus is going, well, he's fleeing the crowds. The, the crowds of the Jews that were following him, they're pressing on him. He, he's fleeing the crowds, but he's also going into these areas to meet individuals. And he's, he's touching with uh, these different Gentiles. He comes into this region. The people hear that he's coming. They bring to him this man. But think about the unbelievable distance that Jesus went to touch this man. Can, can I share with you that that distance was, was in... in in comparison to Jesus leaving heaven, think about the unbelievable distance that God traveled in order to bring salvation to us. I mean, Jesus is willing to go any distance, anywhere, to meet anyone. I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it, about Jesus? That he was willing to inconvenience himself to bring help, to bring salvation uh, to this individual who, by the way, is an obscure person, who, who is a forgotten person, who is an overlooked person. And you know what, that's, what, what that should bring to our hearts today? It should lift our hearts. Because how many of you feel forgotten, obscure, un, unimportant in many respects in, in condition in contrast to the world that we live in? And, and you feel like, why, why does God care about what I do? Or where? Hey, listen, think about the unbelievable distance that he traveled to get the gospel to you. Think about what he did in order to, to orchestrate the bringing of the gospel into your life, into your family. I think about how God saved our family and the unbelievable distance. I mean, going through two broken homes, mom and dad both uh, coming from divorced homes, broken homes, really broken situations, broken conditions. I don't, I don't come from a long line of uh, pastors. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, not a long line of people in ministry. My parents were horse, uh, in the horse racing business. My dad uh, raced horses in New York, you know, the gambling circuit, all that kind of... I mean, I, that's... God reached way down 
and he changed the course of our family. And you know when I say bless his holy name, I mean that God would, would reach down, that God would find uh, somebody who was uh, like my dad, just kind of going from house to house, living with different people in different places and ended up living, uh, uh, have, being reached through uh, a church that had ministry, bus ministry, picking him up, bringing him to Sunday school, bringing him to church. And then the pastor, because he came from a, such a broken situation, broken home, let him live in his house with him and, and ministered to him and, and gave him a heart uh, to, to pursue in giving the gospel. And, boy, and you know, he had this desire in his heart. He said, he said when I have a family, I want to have a Christian home. And he, God worked in his heart and did an, traveled an unbelievable distance to bring the gospel to, to, to change the course, the direction of our whole family. Listen, with, without that course correction, without God's grace in that situation, there's no mom and dad, there's no family, there's no us. There, there's no my family, there's no our situation. We're not here. Listen, you think about all that God has done to bring the gospel to you. That God has, in a miraculous way, traveled such a distance. You know why? Because God is trying to send an unbelievable message to you. That you are important to Him. That He loves you with an everlasting love. That there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate you from that love. And He is willing to go the distance for you. Aren't you glad that God's willing to go the distance? He's willing to go the distance for you. And then now that you're a believer, He's willing to go the distance with you. Some of you, you've been at it for a long time, and maybe, hey, can I say to you, friend, don't get weary in well-doing. Due season you'll reap if you faint not. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hey, listen, continue forward in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was willing to go the distance for you, and he's willing to go the distance with you because he will never leave you or forsake you. What a wonderful truth about the nature of God. And listen, he didn't do it for some person who had this potential to be some great star. He did it for a deaf man that couldn't even communicate his need. The Bible uses the word impediment because all the guy could do is make noises. He couldn't speak. He, He couldn't so much as say a word. And when he spoke, it wasn't plain. If you notice, when he healed him, when Christ healed him, there was a plainness to his speech. He could speak clearly. For the first time in his life, he could speak words. But notice in this unreasonable difference, in this unbelievable uh, distance, there was an unrepairable damage. There was an unrepairable damage. You you think about this this man and who he was. I mean, deaf, he couldn't hear God. He couldn't hear Jesus. Couldn't hear his words. He couldn't hear the gospel. Isn't it amazing that God can reach people that can't hear God? Uh, churches have deaf ministries today, wonderful ministries, reaching people they can't physically hear. Aren't you glad the gospel is more than audible? It's more, it's more than just audible. The message of the gospel transcends every word and language. In other words, I don't have to speak the language of a people to get the gospel to, and that helps. But the wonderful thing about the gospel is it transcends all language and culture is that it's not just to a specific group of people, to a specific uh, type of people. As a matter of fact, you think about this man, he was deaf. He was dumb. Uh, How can they they call on him of whom they have not heard? The impossibility of how can he hear, how can he call? 
I mean, aren't you glad that salvation is not about the words you hear and the words you say? Salvation is about what Jesus brings to your heart. So many people focus on their experience of salvation by what they heard and what they said. What about those who can't hear and can't speak? Can they not be saved? We're so selfish sometimes in our experience and our articulation of the gospel that we like to own every experience. We like to say, it has to be this way. It has to happen this way. We like to put God in that box. But how many know God will not put in the, be put in any man's box? Not mine, not yours. He can save who he will. He, he can save to the uttermost those that come to him. Listen, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You, you, you think about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it transcends. This man had an unrepairable damage. Can I tell you, you weren't so much better off just because you could hear and speak. Because you couldn't hear God except he touched your ears. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't call on him except he touched your tongue. Some of us, we think well, we, we did it. No, no, no. The only reason why you heard is because he touched your ears. The only reason why you, you, you responded is because he touched your tongue. The only reason why you were changed is because he touched your heart. Because he's the one that saves, isn't he? He saved us. He called us. He loved us. Salvation is about his work, not ours. It's about what he's done. It was unrepairable damage. He was an outcast. He couldn't come to him except he was brought. Listen, you couldn't come to God. You couldn't come to God except you were brought to him. Hey, if I be lifted up, I what? Will draw all men unto myself. You could not come. He had to call you. You could not hear. He had to touch you. You could not call on him. He had to put the words in you, the faith in you. That's our God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when we preach the gospel, we don't believe in the, the, the articulation of the performer uh, performance or the style of the one delivering the message. Uh, my confidence this morning is not in myself or my ability, but in the word of God that's preached because he has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. It's his choice. It's the method in which he's called and chosen. What a blessing that he would involve us. You think about that, church. What a blessing that he would involve us. It's amazing how sometimes people that call themselves Christians have no desire to be involved in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll let the organization of the church do it. That's why I give my money. No, no, no. He has called all of us to preach the gospel to every creature. I can't disconnect from that. If I'm a believer, he's called me into that. But not only has he called me into that, but he's given me a desire to do it. I want to go forth and proclaim his name and speak his name. This is an unreasonable difference, an unbelievable distance, an unrepairable damage. He was an outcast. He couldn't come. He was without understanding. But then we see an unimaginable deed. We see an unimaginable deed. What does Jesus do? Are you with me? You with me, church? What did Jesus do? Well, he didn't speak to him. Why? Because he's deaf. Some people, listen, how many know and understand that there was no specific formula to Jesus' healing miracles? Jesus didn't open his prayer book and begin to give an incantation over the man. 
Jesus didn't perform in the same way. Jesus didn't call him up on the platform and push him backwards. Say, be healed, you know. Are you with me? This is an unbelievable deed. What does he do? Well, first, he takes a man who's in ha- who's, who has, has a handicap. How many know that handicapped people, most of their lives they spend people looking at them thinking they're strange? This man would walk through the market. He would try to communicate. He couldn't hear people. Try to communicate. All he could do is make noises. People look at him, scoff at him, look down on him, think he's some kind of lower, lesser human being. Isn't it interesting that hirelings today, I'm I'm talking about people who, who make the center of their message the ability of a man to heal people. For money. Are you with me? God not only condemns that, but that's a false gospel, and we ought to mark that and separate from that. As much as so many, so many times uh, we in our circles, we like to separate from a lot of nonsense. But you know what? God wants us to separate from nonsense like that. Uh, kind of aligning ourselves with, with making the gospel a show. The gospel's not a show. Jesus never made it a show. And you know what Jesus did with this man who was always the show wherever he went? He was kind of like the circus entertainment. People looked at him. He was a handicapped man. He was always the center of attention. People heard him. and they, You know, what did Jesus do? Hey, come on, let's go away. Let's leave from the platform. He wasn't a politician while spending his time with handicapped people making sure this was a good photo op, inviting people. Look how compassionate I am while I spend time with handicapped people. I mean, come on, are you with me? That's the world we live in, right? Where, where the motives of men are more about Look at me while I spend time with the handicapped people because I'm such a good person. Jesus is like, no, no, let's get out of here. Let's get away from the crowd. You're always people looking at you, always people staring at you, always people. Let's, let's get away from that. What does Jesus do next? He touches his ears. Why? Because a man couldn't hear. In order for Jesus to save this man, what was necessary? That man needed to believe that Jesus could. You know, Jesus is standing before him, and you know what he's doing? He's wanting him to believe. He's touching his ears, saying, I'm going to... This was Jesus' way of sign language to this man. He's communicating with him in the way that he would have communicated. Touching his... I'm going to, I'm going to, to make it so you can hear. What does he do? Touches his, his tongue. I'm going to make it so that you can... Speak. Do you believe? And what's interesting is when Jesus goes to speak, the Bible uses the word sigh. He doesn't even speak. He, he sighs. He makes a noise. And, and ever, you ever talk to somebody who can't hear? What are they, they want to put their hand, feel the vibration of your voice. Because I'm without a sense. Well, my other senses are more. I, I'm paying attention. I, I, need, I need to use my other senses to communicate. Jesus is is coming to this man in the, in the area of his need. He's, he's touching him. He's understanding where he is. And why is he doing that? Listen, church, sometimes maybe we don't reach people because we're not willing to do what Jesus did. Communicate to people in the area of their need. Understand that, hey, listen, God can bring healing to the area of your need. Do you believe that today? That God wants to touch the area of your need. And so many times uh, we're embarrassed about 
this handicap. We're embarrassed about uh, our inability to communicate. We're embarrassed about uh, the, the hang-ups, the hurts, the, you know, the baggage that we get. Hey, we're embarrassed about, what does Jesus want to do? He's focusing on, we have not a high priest that's not touched with the feelings, our, our, our infirmities, the Bible says. But at all points, he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was touched with the feelings of this man's infirmities. He looked on him with compassion. What was he doing? Well, he's doing something so this man could understand. Hey, this woman that came, she had faith to believe that Jesus could bring healing to her daughter without her daughter even being there. Jesus marveled at her faith. This man didn't come to Jesus because he had faith. They brought him to Jesus. They begged that he would help this man. This man looked at Jesus, and Jesus communicated to him the best way that this man could understand. I am the healer. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. You know what? who else he was communicating to? The 12 that were in the room and those that brought him? What was he doing? He was trying to publish this. He says, don't publish this. What was, he, what was he doing? He was trying to show those 12 who often had little faith that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that in the day that the Messiah would come, those that couldn't speak would speak. Those that couldn't hear would hear. They knew the Scripture. Jesus used the same word from Isaiah to say, hey, listen, I want you guys to understand who I am. Who I am. You know, God wants us to understand who he is. He translated himself in such a way that we could understand. He took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. Jesus is the very translation of God to us. How we understand who God is is through the person of Jesus Christ. We cannot come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He is God's translation of his nature and himself because God is a spirit and he made himself a body so that we could know him. Get this. He made himself a body so that we could see him. Wow. Why? Because no man has seen God at any time. What did Jesus say? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. What does he say? He's saying, I want you to see me. I want you to know me. Oh, in your sinful condition and state, you could never see the Father. You could never see me. You could never see that, but I want you to see me. I'm making myself in a way that you can see me. I'm making myself in a way that you can understand me. Jesus speaks to this deaf man in the context of his ability to understand because Jesus wants to be understood. So many people look at God as some far-off mystery. Some, some, some thing that they could never understand, some being that they could never touch or never know or ever understand. And Jesus breaks all of that for us. And he says, no, no, I want to touch you. I want you to touch me. I want to embrace you. I want you to see me. I want you to know me. That's who Jesus is to us. He's our Savior. Listen, if God is some far distant person to you, you need to study who Jesus is. Because through studying who Jesus is, we come to know who God is. We know him through his son. When we look at Jesus, you know what he does? He shows us our needs. He speaks to us in accordance to where we are. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He saves us and he makes us his children. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's unbelievable. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't think it's that unbelievable. Church, are we so Sunday school, you know, kind of flannel graph oriented with these stories that we think 
this is not that amazing? The other, the other thing about this is, is that Jesus tells them not to say anything. How many think that's weird? If you and I did something, hey, come on, when you did something this week that was good, didn't you want people to know? Because there were so many times where you, you did really bad, you were trying to hide that. You, you were like, hey, yes, look over here, I did something good. I, I think people should take note of this. Write it down, put it on your, uh, today you did good. You know, that's, that's our nature. But why was God doing this? Well, for a few reasons. One, he came not to the Gentiles, but the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because it was not yet time for that period to come in. So there was a timing to God's ministry that was specific. The, the other reason is, how many know that Jesus was not trying to draw multitudes to make a show of the gospel? Well, that's in stark contrast to most people that say they're preaching the gospel today. He was not trying to draw people to himself to make a show of the gospel. In other words, could you imagine if I actually had the gift of healing today? Would there be any seats empty? I mean, how many services would we have? I mean, if I could heal people, are you with me? I mean, unless you're a doubter, I mean, unless you don't have the faith. No, but, but what would happen? Crowds, right? Great crowds. But would the motive for their coming be right? No. It's the same reason why a lot of people join a crowd to go to church. Their motive for coming is not right. They're coming to get. It's why people love listening to prosperity gospel preachers. They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears because they're not coming to Jesus for what he has for them. They're coming to God for what they want from him. Not for what he has to offer them, but for what they want to take from him. Well, if I told you that God wants everybody to be healthy and wealthy, you'd say, oh, that's me. I want to be part of that. Healthy, wealthy. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. That's why people flock to ministries that talk about people healthy and wealthy and the miracles and all that kind of stuff. What are they doing? They're making a show, but Jesus was not a showman. Jesus had the ability to heal, but he never made a show of it. He, he never, listen, even in the way that he did it, think about when he fed the 5,000. We're going to get into the next week when he fed the 4,000, chapter 8. When he fed all these people, he did it in such a way that it was so organic. They just had baskets they were distributing. It's not like, boo, all this food came, fell down from heaven. and like it was, He just did it in a way that was normal. They were passing out food. There may have been people that were there that didn't even know where it came from. Are you with me? They, did, they didn't understand that all of a sudden you know, a bunch of food was appearing. You know, you know who knew? The disciples knew. Because every time they came back to Jesus, they had food. They had food. They had food. And then they had 12 baskets left over. It wasn't Jesus was never making a show because his purpose for coming was not to do miracles. His purpose for coming was to redeem mankind. His purpose for coming was to die on the cross And listen, the ministry of the church today, its purpose is not a show, it's not a performance, it's not miracles, it's not making people, propping people up and saying, oh, look how awesome these people. The purpose of the church today is to preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. And that needs to remain our focus. Because some people love to hijack that. Why can't we be one of those churches, you know, that do all that, make the Focus like healing people and this and that. And a lot, of people, man, a lot of people might come because of that. Yeah, but not for the right reasons. 
why can't we make it about this? Why can't we make it? Because it is not our job to make the message say something else. It's our job to carry the message. It's our job to preach the message. It's our job to give the message. And that's our job. Listen, you may say, oh, that's boring. Yeah, well, you may think it's boring, but I think it's, it's unbelievable. Because the kind of miracles that we see may not be the ones that the world wants to broadcast, but they are unbelievable. I'm talking about homes being salvaged. I'm talking about people passing from death to life. I'm talking about people's addictions and sins and, and, and all the things in their life being broken and shattered and, and life coming in and hope coming in and all that rushing in. And Why in the world would we want to make a show of that kind of stuff? Because this is not, the ministry is not about what happens on the platform. The ministry is about what happens to the hearts of people. And God cares for every heart. Enough to differentiate his approach, even if it's unreasonable. Enough to travel unbelievable distances. I mean, enough to bring himself into a position where the damage that's there is unrepairable. Can I say this to you this morning, friend? We're done. If you think there's some unrepairable damage to any part of your life, you need to introduce that part of your life to Jesus Christ. Because there is no damage that he cannot undo. There is no damage that he cannot heal. That's not for show. That's the truth. He can heal any hurt. He can help any damage. By the way, the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is not only can he, but he wants to. He wants to. He wants to touch you where you have needs. He wants you to understand that he's, he loves you. He cares for you in your condition. It's an unreasonable difference, an unbelievable distance, an unrepairable damage, and an unimaginable deed. When we think about who Jesus is, and the translation of God to us, why would we want to speak of anyone else? Why would we want to give another gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ does not need any of our promotion. It just needs our publishing. You notice these people, they were no longer a people that wanted to send Jesus away. Remember when he came the first time? Now they were a people who wanted to publish his message everywhere. And even when he told them not to, they couldn't help but speak his name. I said this in Sunday school. Sometimes maybe what I need to do as a pastor is just tell people, hey, listen, what you heard today, don't share it with anybody. Don't, don't tell anybody this week. Don't invite anybody to church. Don't, you know, because maybe it don't have the opposite effect. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe we need to take Jesus's, the one from Jesus' playbook there. Because I think there's whatever New Jersey re- rebel in us. Well, I'm not doing what he said. He told me to invite people. I'm not telling anybody. But it's like that, you know, gossip in us. Don't tell anybody. Oh, I can't help it. I can't, can't, I can't help it i got to tell everybody. But listen, I'm telling you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is so unbelievable that we cannot help but share it. It's like Isaiah said, it's like, or Jeremiah said, it's, like a, it, it's, it's, it's burning in us, and we can't stay. We can't stop. We have to share. Has the gospel made that kind of impact in your life, or is it some disconnected story that made no difference? I hope that you know Jesus in the way that Jesus introduced himself in his word. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. 
Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.